greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Hello and welcome to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie. Uh, we're in Genesis chapter 3. Today we have uh, some more uh, plowing to do here through uh, some of this uh, exciting, um, very, very target-rich environment we have here in Genesis chapter 3. Um, let's get right into it. We want to go ahead and take this uh, before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you for today. Thank you for blessing us uh, today with your word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand your word, help us to be able to communicate uh, the truths that you have hid in here. So we ask, Lord, that you would bless this time, bless those who are listening and learning and uh, moving along with us. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 3. So let's go ahead. Genesis chapter 3. Now, if you've missed episodes in the past or you even you want to move ahead a little bit or see things couple of times, you know, the notes, check out our website. Uh, we upload these uh, shows onto YouTube. We'll be breaking them down into chapters and putting them, building it right into the website so you can spend time going over this, you know, because there's so many things being introduced here. We want to give you the, the links here so you can read it and kind of study it out a little bit more on yourself. This is, this is even, even as long as it's taking us to get through uh, portions of this, there's there's still so much more here to uh, to study out and to understand because this chapter is crucial to our understanding. In last session, we were talking about uh, the anatomy of sin and how the uh, apostle James, in his epistle, how he uh, talked about the anatomy of sin, that, that process that leads to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. And that's the, the, the uh, malady of all of mankind. So um, I want to take a look at another thing because this is so important uh, for us to understand that, um, remember we were discussing before on how uh, Satan uses doubt he uses this uh, tool of temptation because uh, even Jesus said that, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And uh, Satan knows exactly how to hit us. And he keeps using this same process of temptation and enticement to draw us in, almost like a mouse into a trap, and then, boom, he, he springs it on us. So we saw uh, last time Eve went through that, but I want to bring up uh, here in um, Second Samuel, uh, King David. Uh, probably sure um, a lot of you have heard of David in Bathsheba. Now David had been king for a while. He's now in the palace. He's supposed to. It's springtime. He's supposed to be going out with his army and going to battle. That's what kings do. They go out. And they, and they would, you know, have their, their battles. And so the king, David, stays at home. All right? 
And, but what I want you to do is I want you to see how this process, that anatomy of sin, how it, how it runs its course here again, because it, it's happening to all of us all of the time. And, but I want you to see, so it bears, repetition's a good teacher. So let's go ahead and see a different uh, example of that. 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is David, Bathsheba, and Uriah. Chapter 11, verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab, his servants, with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, and David remained in Jerusalem. So David's already made one mistake right here. He's supposed to be out there, and how many times have we done something where we should have been someplace else, but we, we didn't. So we ended up being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And then, check this out, it says, verse 2, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, All right, and he walked on the roof of the king's house, obviously had the the biggest house so he's he's probably got a pretty good view up there and it says um and he walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing okay we didn't have indoor plumbing back then they would take a picture and you know they would begin bathing out in the uh, the open and so obviously she's doing it at night here and it's so <laughs> david saw the woman okay here's that process of the anatomy of sin, David saw the woman, that she was very beautiful to behold. So it says uh, he's being enticed, right? He's being uh, drawn in here. Lust is being conceived in his heart. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. So, you know, like, like Eve took the fruit in, in, you know, in the anatomy of sin. It says right here that David took her. And it says, and she came to him and he lay with her for she was, he, yep, and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. Verse 5, and the woman conceived, remember how we were talking about when lust is conceived, it brings forth death? Well, she literally conceives from this, this affair that, that David has. And under the kings and the law, they should have both been stoned to death according to the law. But what the law can't do in, in that it's weak because our flesh is weak as we discussed, grace, all right? You need to understand the principles of sin, right? Why we need to address it, why we need to deal with it, because it's real, and, and, and it brings forth death. And if we don't deal with it, like Christ dealt with it on the cross, then that person without Christ goes into a Christless eternity because he paid for our sins, all of it, at the cross, and, and so God does not wink at sin. Remember last time we talked about how God deals ruthlessly with sin. That when even his own son became sin, he had to because he's just and holy. He dealt with it. And Jesus did that willingly. And we will never, 
All right? And the sad commentary is, is that if we want to worship God in spirit and truth, and we keep saying that, because that's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. And I want what God wants for you. So if we're to worship God in spirit and truth, then we need to know our issue. Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Right? We need to preach the cross. We need to teach about sin. We need to teach on the effects of sin. Not because we want to rule it like a billy club and be legalistic and closed-minded and, you know, mean. But what it is, is it's, if we don't understand our condition, then we can't understand the inexpressible gift that God has given to us. He gives us eternal life. And we give them our garbage. We give them our sin. Uh, theologians, brilliant theologians, have called it the great exchange, what happened there on the cross. Christ, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us, took the punishment, because for God to be just and holy, sin needed to be punished. Christ received that punishment, and sin took it on our behalf, so that we could be with God. That needed to be paid. It's like rolling up debt and you're going into bankruptcy. You've got more than you can pay, right? That's our sin before a righteous and holy God. And one of the parables that Jesus teaches, it says, and the, and the you know, servants came before him having this debt that they obviously couldn't pay. And they said, have mercy on me. And God forgave him. Says God, it says the you know the king quite frankly had pity on him and forgave him everything. But then that man wouldn't extend that same forgiveness to other people. That is a sad part of that story. But God extends that 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 freedom, that forgiveness of of the ravages of what sin does in our life and was we're going to see here in a little bit what it does to relationships but david right here and notice how this ends says and david you know the woman conceived and she sent and told david said i am with child in this whole unseemly affair here and we'll we'll read um david's heart was broken over his sin and he grieved and and he repented but sin has effects now i can be sorry i did something right and i can repent and turn from it i can be forgiven but consequences okay david's actions were he got another man's wife pregnant then he conspires to hide his sin, like Adam and Eve, right, did with their, their fig leaves. He tries to put these fig leaves by inviting the husband home, you know, saying, well, how are things going out there at the, the war, Uriah? Um, you know, gives him a couple of cups of wine, gets them loaded, and then tells him, hey, go on down to your house. He's trying to get him to, to be with his wife so that he would think that that was his child. 
he's a more righteous and better man because you know he's he doesn't want to you know sleep with his wife he's he's holding that from from himself because of his his brothers in arms are still out there on the battlefield and so he's not going to partake of that until they all come back from the battle and so david ultimately conspires to have uriah killed so he not only uh, has a child out of this adulterous relationship where by the law okay he should have been both of them should have been stoned to death by the law but what the law can't do grace does all right so david has uriah the hittite killed and so we're going to go here and we'll wrap up the end of this session and we'll show how the effects of of sin and how it devastates people's lives and relationships okay so it says um you know adam and eve have taken of the 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 the, the fruit right we'll call it a lemon <laughs> and it says and they heard verse 8 and they heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day so this is you know a regular appearance you know this is the the fellowship that um christ restored on the cross is we can have that fellowship with god you know walking and 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 you know having it's it's uh the bible describes being being with god as having you know a walk with god so god's coming here to have some fellowship and walk and it says um they're walking in the cool of the day, so this is probably late afternoon, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So notice here, shame. They know they've done something wrong. Now shame has come onto the scene. They know they did wrong, so they're trying to hide from God, which is actually kind of funny uh, when you understand the uh, characters and, and attributes of God. But that's that's what we think like little kids you know when you're playing peekaboo with a little a little kid if you just cover their they they cover their eyes they think you can't see them but no they they're they're right there there's just it, i mean it, it it's kind of funny but that's you know our spiritual understanding is a lot like babes sometimes in that that we think we can hide from god and and nothing's hid from god nothing both good and evil uh, are all before him and then it says uh, in verse 9 then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him where are you obviously God is omniscient that's all-knowing he's omnipresent so he's you know always there uh, everywhere so he knows but this is God the Father this is his heart knowing that this event the fall of man sin has entered on the scene here he's he's crushed so he addresses not eve who partake of the fruit here all right he goes right to adam and addresses and you'll notice this about Jesus ministry too. It's not, you know, this 
beating around the bush and, you know, making small talk. You know, hey, the garden looks good over here. You know, I kind of like the way you, you've got this over here. And by the way, naming those animals, uh, you know, I, I like what you called them. And, oh, um, I saw back there fruit. You know, did we... You got, do we got to talk about something here? No, God doesn't operate that way at all. God gets to the heart of the problem. He doesn't waste, there's no wasted movement, no wasted speech. You know, God is, you know, perfect in, in his energy, in his source. Everything you'll find about him, there's, there's nothing extra. He's, this is truly amazing that this, you know, God wants to have a relationship with us, and that's open to everybody. Just if we'll repent, confess our sins, and just turn to Him. And so it says, um, so God says, where are you? Verse 10, so He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. And because I was naked, I hid myself. In verse 11, God says, and he said, who told you you were naked? God knows he's just trying to, you know, get this dialogue with uh, Adam. And he says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you you should not eat? Now notice here we have a, a, a dynamic entering in here. We're going to call this the blame game. And to see if you don't see this has uh, infected every sphere of society today putting the blame on somebody else blame shifting so look at look at how this this unfolds okay God asks Adam verse 12 says then the man said the woman you gave me okay to be with me she gave me of the tree and I ate so he's He's impugning God here, not taking the blame for himself at all, but he, he, uh, he blames both God and Eve, not himself. And that, that is a characteristic you see a lot. There's all kinds of blame shifting. We see it in our kids. We see it in our public officials. We see it in our government. It's, uh, you know, we need to man up, confess our sin, Okay, because you can see how quickly things uh, digress here. And it says, and so uh, verse 13, now he's addressing uh, Eve. He says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Now notice Eve's response. Then the woman said, the serpent deceived me. True, she, good, good assessment. And she says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So she's actually, she, she, she pins it on the serpent. She gets deceived, which is true. And we'll probably look at this a little bit more in depth here. And, and so now God directs his attention, verse 14, to the serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, all right, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field and on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity that means warfare all right, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel alright so God doesn't even ask 
the serpent anything. He just, boom, he just gives him his curse. And then he's going to do the same thing to the woman and then back to Eve. So we're, we're full circle here. But what we want to do is there's so many things that are already, you know, right there. We have shame and guilt. And remember, now only God can forgive sins. So that's the only one who can truly give us that uh, freedom uh, from guilt that uh, sin brings. And that's, that's what one of the effects. But did you notice here that what we have with the sin is now we have relationships are being fractured. The relationship between, you know, Adam and Eve is fractured. Now, you know, Eve's, you know, going, uh, you know, you, you ate too. And, you know, you, you could have made up your own mind. But Adam is like, hey, you know, he starts pointing the fingers. He's like, you know, you gave me the woman. You know, I didn't make her. You made her and you gave her to me. And, you know, and then he just he just doesn't take it as the leader. He's made the leader, the head of the house here. And he impugns both, you know, God's, um, you know, Trying to, trying to put it off on that. So the, the relationship between God and man is fractured. The relationship between the husband and wife is now fractured. Now we have another dynamic, that enmity, that warfare between uh, mankind and, you know, the, uh, the serpent. Who, who will become that angelic host, the principalities. Now death, remember, is a result of this. So that dominion, you remember we were talking about, dominion now has gone from life. Now it's been usurped by death. Death now reigns. So death is now king uh, on planet Earth. And uh, so the sin always separates that's the tragedy of sins in our in our personal relationships our relationships with our kids our relationships with our parents our relationships with our government our relationships uh with with everything sin always brings separation causes one party to hide maybe another party that shame that maybe we don't want to deal with it because we don't want that to come out and so as we saw with king david okay that he tries to hide it adam and eve try to hide it there's those fractured relationships between adam and eve and god between david bathsheba and uriah and, and, and sin is the most costly thing. When you think about it, say you're Bill Gates. Doctor says, Bill, you know, you've got your billions. You're going to die tomorrow, Bill. And so Bill realizes without, he'd, he'd give all of his money if he could just get well and live. So, and he's not because all of us, Romans 3.23, everyone, myself, Bill Gates, our president, 
We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Death is a result of that sin. Sin is the most costly element ever introduced here. And that's why if we're going to worship God in spirit and truth, right, the price that Christ Jesus paid for us on the cross, all right, we can't even imagine the fabulous wealth and the riches of His grace and His mercy, which He gives to us, that while we were yet sinners, enemies at war with God in our rebellion and our sin and our self-effort and, and our self-righteous and I don't need God and everything and, and all of that, He came, died for us that we could have that relationship that was fractured here, that separation in the garden. He restored it. Now, so sin has those those things. And let's, I don't think I have enough time to go through that other thing. So let's. Let's see how David, King David, uh, responds to this. So what we're going to do is David, after sinning against God, having, you know, a child like that, he is approached by the prophet Nathan. Nathan speaks a parable to him, and David gets angry. The parable is about David, about stealing from somebody, which was Uriah, and David is so broken over his sin, he ends up writing this psalm. And I want you to think about this psalm as a prayer. I hope that you'll invite the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive you of of your sins and your transgressions. And that means falling short of what what God wants but he knew that and that's why he was going to pay it so Psalm 51 is called a prayer of repentance and if you're not sure how to lead somebody else to, to Christ or you're not sure Psalm 51 right here this is this is David when he wrote this after being confronted in his sin and he was just he was just ate up he didn't feel good he had the physical effects of sin that relationship uh, that he'd had, you know, with God was fractured, that separation. Check this out. Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgression. Key. Acknowledging our sins. And my sin is always before me. That guilt and that shame that we see here in Genesis 3 being introduced. And done this evil in your sight. Remember God sees everything. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Now we're going to get into uh, giving God glory on the next uh, episode. And be blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. 
says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make known wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that my bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your spirit. That's what we want for you. That's what you can have in Christ. Say that prayer. Cleanse yourself in the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name. I'm Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change. I'll see you next week. God bless.